Hi everyone, I'm Ben Tapper and this is Invisible Truths. This is a podcast for anyone who carries burdens that feel too heavy to bear, questions too vulnerable to openly discuss, or pain that you're certain no one else will understand. Even more than that though, this is a space to acknowledge and explore the invisible truths within each of us. If you're still interested, let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome back to another week of the Invisible Truths Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Tapper, and I'm here with, as always, another wonderful guest. Uh, This week, I'm joined by Harmony Lee, known as your gay dance teacher. Um, Harmony is creating a healing movement community, and so they're going to join us today to talk about that community and to talk about their journey into this work. So thank you so much for joining us today, Harmony. Thank you so much for the lovely introduction. That makes me so happy. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Oh my gosh, I'm smiling. That's wonderful. Thank Um, you. Is, as we get started, is there anything else you'd want the audience to know about you? Sure. Um, just that I am a non-binary dancer and my pronouns are they and them. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about um, your gay dance teacher, this this movement community <laughs> that you are creating. Um, what is it and how did you stumble into this? Sure. Um, well, I guess it's it's good to start with with identities, right? So I guess as a movement teacher, I like to describe myself as your gay dance teacher. Um, it kind of started as a joke, and it stuck because uh, yeah, I found that a lot of folks who are queer identified, non-binary, trans, um, gender non-conforming had uh, a lot of issues or. or barriers to approaching dance class. And I just wanted to make it as personable of a face as possible. And that's really how I like to hold class. I want everyone to feel welcome. I want people who don't think that they're dancers, but are dancers to show up. Um, and, and that sort of spirit is, is how I like to hold space in, in my movement classes and in the work that I put out. Um, but I founded NBD Movement, which is non-binary dance movement um, as a I would say it's a project, it's an ongoing project and community um, where we're just exploring how play and joy and somatic work in terms of like moving our bodies to experience the world and to find healing um, can all be applied in, in really intuitive ways to enhance people's connections to their bodies and, and healing because a lot of the folks that I also work with hold marginalized identities and you know, access to therapy can be hard, you know, financial barriers to attending a dance class can be hard. So I think it's really important that movement and healing be incorporated into our lives, but um, it should be accessible. And and that's what the the work that I've been doing over the past, oh oh gosh, like six months (laughs) has been really focused on. And um, what led you to to start this i know for for many of us that are on our own journeys of healing right we we create out of both our pain and our healing right and our our vision (laughs) our vision for it's possible comes from our own stories and so yeah yeah it sounds like that resonated with you so can you talk a little bit about (laughs) about what that process has been like that noise you heard was the resonance <laughs> striking a chord. That's what, the, that's, what, that's what that noise is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so um, I, I used to be in the military. So this is fun facts about Harmony. Um, I was in the military for six years. And during that time, I was in charge of a lot of infectious disease, management, preventive medicine, public health, 
like high responsibility work. Um, but my background's in public health and I really, you know, I love serving. I love serving the community. I love serving my sailors. I love making sure that, you know, folks are as, as comfortable with their needs met as, as possible, right? That's, that's been a lot of my, um, my past. But as I was getting ready to leave the military, this was back in September of 2019, um, I, my whole fucking life fell apart. Sorry, I curse. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so whole fucking life fell apart. Um, it went from a really unexpected breakup to recognizing patterns of family trauma that I had not named previously um, to me divorcing my partner of 13 years. Um, and just the worst depression I've ever had. And that was within two weeks. So (laughs) all of that happened right at the same time. It knocked me on my ass. And I really considered myself like a highly resilient, very, you know, motivated person, Um, especially because of my military background where it's just like, you always meet mission. Like you do what you need to get things done. And in that two weeks of hell, (laughs) I realized that I had been suppressing my body's needs and I I actually started becoming aware that I couldn't feel my body. Um, This was magnified by dissociation, um, but I can share a a little story of of maybe the biggest signal I got um, where I was getting a tattoo done. I was getting it finished right after my second breakup and my tattoo artist, I've been working with him for a long time. So he's done all of my large pieces on my body. We're good friends. He's like family. Um, it makes me emotional to talk about this. But yeah, I was like, there's this piece, you know, that was my income. That was my, my job that I just left. You know, my stability of having a partner just left. I don't know if I'm going to have the resources to cover this. Let's like, I want to get this piece finished. And just as a piece of context, the piece of uh, the tattoo that I have on my back it's a big demon (laughs) and it's uh, part of a funerary um, ornament was used in like ancient China. So I have the line work um, as a tattoo on my back as, you know, ancestral protection and special ancestral connection, but it's a big fucking demon. So (laughs) the irony did not escape me that I'm trying to get this demon clothes on my back because I'm just like the pain is so much I don't know what to do about this um and my pain was so high that I couldn't feel anything and my skin literally swelled like an orange peel and pushed out the ink while my artist was working on me and he's like we got to stop like I don't know what's going on with you you don't look like, I usually see you, something's wrong and your body's, like, rejecting this. I can't keep going without hurting you. But I'm, like, dissociating, like, a lot and I can't feel it. So I'm like, oh, we really have to stop? Like, it's not finished? And I was just, like, so heartbroken. Um, both at the realization that I'm, like, this is unfinished. You know, I put a lot of time and my body's, like, really rejecting it. And then the second part was just that, like, really loud silence, because I'm expecting a healing process that fits with 
a tattoo, right? It gets itchy, it's a little tender, it feels warm, you know, you're kind of like, ooh, let me just be careful around this new, in this new work. And it was nothing. I actually woke up sleeping on my back. Mm. And I was like, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. This is not good for me. Um, what have I been doing that suddenly my body doesn't want to talk to me anymore? Mm. And I don't think I'm the only one who's had that moment. I think there's a lot of folks out there who may have been more numb in their bodies to their bodies for many years without realizing it. And sometimes we just reach that point where you just kind of get hit in the face with it, where your body just goes like, oh, you're not going to listen to me? Okay, we're not talking. Yep, yep. We don't, you don't, you're not doing anything with this signal. I'm sending you signals to try and keep you safe about pain and you can't even hear them, mm. right? So this is still tracking with, you know, one month, this is still September. Um, and when my depression got really, really bad, it was, you know, there's SI or suicidal ideation. There was just like a lot of bad days. Um, and I was really trying to like keep my community, check in with people, but I was telling folks, I'm like, look, I don't know if I can hold conversation with you, but please check on me. That's the most I can ask for right now. Like, just please check on me. Um, and, and part of that got me through, part of that like pulled me through that. Um, but what really helped me was dance. So this is a time when like all of my social support fell away. All of my friends in the military are on base. Like I can't get even on base to like have lunch with my old colleagues. Um, my marriage is not like that shared space for that type of support. And I was moving from one city to another. And so I'm like, okay, all of my safety nets are gone. No one's coming to save me. What can I do? Um, so when I, I could, <laughs> I would put on music um, and I would sit there and sometimes I would move, right? If you feel music and you can kind of start like, just gently, you know, like bobbing to it or like finding the beat. Um, some of the days that was, that was enough. And that felt like I'm still doing something. There's still some life in my body. You know, it's still responding to music. Um, but I kind of brought in my practice to include like cannabis, right? So I was out of the military. I can use, I can use um, substance. Um, so I'm like, let me, let me use cannabis and cannabis helped me like drop into my body and relax after holding on for so long. And from that kind of like mindful balancing of, of gently kind of waking up those pieces. And if they weren't going to talk to me with messages of like, here's what pain is, here's what sensation is. Can it just make noise? Right. So movement just became kind of this calibration tool where I can kind of, okay, I can tap, I can move, I can respond. And then after a while, when that practice started becoming a little bit more full, my depression kind of, you know, abiding slightly, dumpster fire of a life kind of getting a little better, you know, now we're in like mid-October. Um, I started thinking about um, this concept in therapy called like parts work. And from a therapeutic practice, it's this idea that, um, we have like an integrated self, but that self, that true self is kind of surrounded 
by these parts of ourselves. And these are all valid. These are all part of us. But some of these parts are managers and firefighters and exiles. And within this sort of like integrated model, if your nervous system is, you know, operating in a way that feels good for us, like if it's at kind of, I don't want to say normal level, but whatever normal is for that person is, these parts are working in harmony, right? The managers are helping us stay on task. Our true self is shining through. Our firefighters are responding to stress appropriately. And our exiles are creating like beautiful artwork. So we can kind of, we can integrate all these things, but when they're fractured, they start responding, in my case, to like traumatic conditioning in a way that keeps us in trauma. So I tried to use movement to encourage whatever parts of my body were storing some of those hurt parts to lead my movement and then to tell stories. Mm. And throughout all of this, I mean, like, it's dance, but it's movement to communicate body language, yeah. right? And it's not about looking good. I saved those freestyles because some of them looked real wild, but they're mm. not about performance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're just notes. They're like my field notes. So sometimes I watch it back and go like, oh, that's interesting. I made a face there. Mm. What was I thinking about? Oh, I was thinking about this. Why was it showing up on my face? And then I'd kind of investigate and go like, wow, I hold a lot of tension here. Mm. Wow, I've held my face frozen in a smile for years. Mm. Wow, I don't know how to pull my cheeks down. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's where those, those parts started to kind of show what parts of me needed healing. Mm -hmm. um, so... While this was sort of happening, I had already, uh, I, one of my friends tried to cheer me up. We went to a dance class together. Um, and it was like this really cool freestyle burlesque class. And I'm quite a fan of it. But we were the two, <laughs> I would say, only out non-binary people there. And we kind of struggled to both have our pronouns met, but also to, to feel fully expressive and authentic you know, yeah. in a very gendered dance space. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they just were like, man, Harmony, you could teach a class like that, huh? <laughs> mm. Like, but, but to center like non-binary and trans people. Um, and, and that kind of grew into this NBD movement project. Um, and as I've been working on my own healing, it's been informing how I share movement and teach movement. Mm. Um, so that's that's I guess the long way of saying this is how I got here. I I love that you um, noticed that you weren't hearing your body. You know I think mm -hmm. it's so easy to move through life and to not pay attention to 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 let the numb become our new baseline and our new normal. Mm -hmm. you know? And so it, it's it's beautiful. It's as tragic as it was, and as much pain as I'm sure you were in, that you were still aware enough to to notice. Uh, that your body wasn't responding appropriately. And even to a lesser degree that your tattoo artist noticed, right? He's like, mm -hmm. hey, yo, <laughs> come up with your body, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and and that, that's really powerful. And so I just want to name that for those listening um, that, that may be having a similar struggle. And um, I, I was also struck by the fact that the work that you're doing um, is similar to a, another friend of mine. Do you know uh, Gavin? Um, Masumiya, I believe is his last name. 
Gavin, tell me more. he lives in LA. He's a, a mindset and empowerment coach. And I think he knows uh, Juma K as well. Um, mm. And Gavin does a thing called Flowmasters. Uh, mm. And so they will, he'll invite people on or they'll gather in a group and they'll play a, a beat or an instrumental and they just freestyle over the instrumental. Mm. The purpose isn't to sound good or to flow properly. It's just to literally get that stream of consciousness going and to process what is happening mm -hmm. internally, right? And so whereas yes. he's doing that like with the, as a way to activate the conscious mind and bring it in touch with the emotions, I find that on a parallel track to what you are doing with the body and with freestyle dance, right? Yes. And so it's just really cool that there are people out there kind of both finding different ways to access through freestyle movement, free verse, whatever, what is happening within and to unify the conscious mind with the, the body and the emotions. Yes, yes. I want to, I would love to like kind of expand on that a little bit because yeah. flow is a huge, huge cornerstone of my movement practice. Um, and yeah, your friend sounds real, that sounds great. I'm like, I can't wait to follow that. I'm not following them yet, but that sounds wonderful. Um, there's really cool things that happen to our brain when we're in a state of flow. Um, and there's a book called, there's a book called Flow by um, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi um, about, I believe it's eight or nine like characteristics of a flow state. And within those characteristics, like a lot of people can feel like, how am I supposed to be a dancer? Like, I don't know the steps, but if you're freestyling your movement, right, you're coming up with it on the spot and the name of the game is just to stay moving that that gives as much access to a flow state as somebody who's a classically trained dancer right there's no difference between the quality of dance maybe the technical performance aspect is different but sure. there's nothing that would that prevent somebody from from dancing effectively right mm -hmm. um as long as they're in, in a body that's you know moving blood and oxygen and tissue you know um, the flow state is this like really high cognitive uh, for, I guess, a, a quick my synopsis of like the benefits of a flow state. I heard someone describe it as like the highest cognitive state that we can be in while like awake. Um, and that resonates because there's really cool things that happen, like time stretches. There's this like singular focus, right? There's no difference between your self view and the self viewing the self in action, right? Those are integrated. Um, there's like pleasure. It's enjoyable for the sake of it. And we can go through this whole flow state and our brains and our nervous system are just so happy because we're safe. We're flowing. We're like, this is like the best you can get. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that gives us like a nervous. So from a trauma standpoint, that gives our nervous system a chance, chance to just breathe, right? It's like we're flowing. We're not forcing the breath. We're not forcing our actions. We're not directing our movement. We're just moving. We're in flow. And, and from there, once the nervous system gets like a, little, a little breather, it can start repatterning itself according to that pleasure of the flow state as opposed to patterning towards, again, more pain, emotional pain, trauma, you know, so on. Um, so I think it's really, embody it, it's really um, healing to embody how we want to feel. And I think that's why dance is so cool. Like you can embody joy. You make a joyful song, you dance around, you're embodying joy, right? You embody healing when you're in flow and, and you can embody a whole range of emotions and stories. Um, but you can also embody healing. Like you can send positive 
movement signals to your nervous system that says you're safe, you're held, I got you, mm -hmm. we're gonna get through this, you have a chance to breathe, I'm not gonna let anybody mm -hmm. take this away, you know? Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's what our nervous system needs. Like right. movement sends that message back inward that says like, no, I understand, I'm speaking the same language as you. Mm -hmm. It's body language, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, flow, flow is important. <laughs> flow is phenomenal. Um, and I think sometimes people tap into it and they don't know they're tapping into it, right? Like, so if you've ever, yeah. if you ever just kind of put a song on the, in the kitchen while you're cooking and danced around, mm -hmm. right? You're beginning mm -hmm. to tap into flow. I think sometimes when people go out with their friends and intentionally get drunk so they cannot think about how they're dancing, right? They're trying right. to access flow, you know? Yes. So the work that you're doing, the work that Gavin's doing, it's just, I think, a more intentional practice, a more structured practice uh, to guide us into that flow, that healing flow state. Yeah. No, I, I like that you brought up um, alcohol and substance because I think it's important to note, like, drunk people can be pretty amazing dancers. Mm -hmm. And and I think also, like, people who are stoned can be really amazing dancers, yep. right? And you're taking away that self-editing mm -hmm. and just being able to move. But I think what you brought up about the mindfulness is really key because if we, like, if we're accessing flow state but missing the messages then it's sort of bypassing where that healing is, right? Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the mindset also behind all of my like cannabis stuff. Like I kind of think that I'm a somatic stoner. Like mm -hmm. I, I use weed because it helps me get into my somatic body, right? It helps yeah. me feel and listen and talk um, because I can feel. Yep. Um, but to, to skip that step can be tricky because then it's like you're reaccessing and accessing and wondering like, Am I getting what I need out of this? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It can be, it's challenging. It's really challenging. It is. And it's so easy, at least for me, I I, uh, I feel like I can either observe with great awareness or I can act. But to, mm. to wed both, right, is, it's a lot harder for me to do and to access. But to your mm -hmm. point, both are necessary for that growth, for that healing, for that recognition, mm -hmm. not only of the messages, but what you can glean from the messages and, and, and yeah. you, need, you need both pieces. Mm, yeah. And actually um, I'd love to like, I, I'm just like thinking through those everyday states of flow that you were talking mm -hmm. about. Um, because I think that there's so many that we, we do have access to, but people minimize the importance of them. Yeah. Um, and that's why like play is so important to me. Like, so my quarantine hobby has been basketball until the, all the basketball courts got closed. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I started learning basketball. Um, I didn't play as a kid, um, and I actually got really bad social anxiety about team sports growing up. Mm. But I was like, you know what? I'm a grown-up. I don't need to be scared of being picked last. I'm going to play basketball. Yeah, yeah. But I also realized I'm like, oh, like just dribbling is really pleasurable because – you're in flow. Yep. You're not thinking about catching the ball, like pick up, drop the ball, pick right. it up again, put it down. Like you're, you're finding the rhythm and you're just interacting. And then you can play with how softly can I dribble? How high can I get it? Can I do one hand to another? Can I bounce this in a pattern? Can I like make the, the distance between each bounce shorter? Yeah. Um, that's all flow state, yeah. you know, like, you can do that with throwing a ball back and forth. You can play catch. You can dribble a ball. You can bounce it against the wall by yourself. Like that in itself is flow, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to go on a massive shrooms trip to like find yourself in like <laughs> some sort of 
divine heavenly state of like, oh, finally I can feel flow. It's like, no, you could just pick up a ball. Yeah, yeah. Or like find a groove with the music. But it's, it's about that play. Uh, and to your point, exactly. ath athletics are really good for that if you're intentional with it. I remember mm -hmm. when I was in third grade, that's when I, I started running and we had to mm -hmm. start like doing the, a timed mile for gym class. And as competitive as I am, my goal is to always be to finish first. Um, and so I remember running around the track and I would get uh, almost done like to the last hundred meters and I would intentionally sprint. And mm -hmm. after the first or second time, I recognized like I'd be dead tired, but if I could kick it into gear and like just start that sprint, my body mm -hmm. just took over, right? Like I yeah. was just flowing, my legs were moving. It was just, I wasn't even trying. It was just happening automatically. Yeah. Right? It was a, yeah. a flow. You know? Yeah. Yes. And there's like an endorphin rush that comes with accessing your flow. I think that's like mm -hmm. your body saying like, we like this. We love this. Keep this going. Right. <laughs> this feels great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what these neurotransmitters, this is amazing. And even though you're tired, like that flow is actually improving your, your body's feeling. Right. Right. That's really cool. I was not a sprinter, so I admire you. <laughs> that's cool <laughs> but athletics and i imagine um uh, sex can probably do the same thing right right Take right with it. any any activity that we're engaging our body our emotions our mind i think we could probably access some some version of the flow state right yeah, yeah. and i think that's i i, I want to bring up like sexuality and i think it's important for folks to like maybe just hear that sex can be healing mm -hmm. um and that sex itself is just the way that like your brain is part of your body, right? Your sex is part of your body, right? Yeah. And within that flow state, there's also like all these other elements like safety, mm -hmm. um, autonomy, pleasure, play, you know, self-awareness, or just, you know, mindfulness yeah. about how you're engaging. Um, and it, you don't need a partner, right? Like this is this is something that can be a self-practice. I know there's quite a few practitioners who do like orgasmic yoga, yep. orgasmic meditation. Um, all of those things are, are just as much about kind of, again, integrating that like thinking mind and that body mind so that one is not overpowering the rest mm -hmm. and we kind of feel that looseness and control. Um, yeah, I think it's important um, and it's part of people's, it's another way to access that I think folks minimize. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so one of the things, and I know you're reading Pleasure Activism as well. I've yeah. uh, <laughs> just finished it recently. And one of the Ooh, things so that, it's so great. Um, one of the things I've gleaned from it and I'm trying to bring into my own practice is um, the bringing the awareness of pleasure to the body, right? Mm. Um, that, that can happen uh, when I'm in an, a sexual act, but even if I'm just in a conversation with someone, right? Just noticing how I'm experiencing the pleasure of that conversation, you know, right. what, what parts of my body are being activated? Am I feeling excited, aroused, sad? Like, just mm. to be aware of the various ways that I experience pleasure, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, and so I think a lot of this work, the your or orgasmic meditation, um, anything by Adrian Murray Brown, it, it kind of invites us to an awareness of, of, of ourselves and an expanded understanding of, of how we experience pleasure in virtually any interaction with the world. And it's, it's right. liberating. Yeah, it's so wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up that book because I'm, I'm not finished with it. I love mm -hmm. it a lot, though. Um, but it reminds me of like how we experience emotions mm. and 
we actually feel emotions before we can name them. Yep. But oftentimes we don't have the vocabulary to accurately name them or the social like acceptance to name, you know, sadness, grief, whatever, like heavier emotions. And those feelings get stuck in our body and that can turn into like pain or stuckness, tension, all that. But the same way um, that feeling becomes before the naming, I think it's, you're, you're attuning feeling to pleasure, right? Mm. So it's like, well, what does pleasure feel like in this? It's not just like one blanket uppercase P pleasure for everything. Like sometimes pleasure looks like a smile, right? Sometimes pleasure looks like, like going like, "Hmm." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right. Or, or it looks like bouncing or like jumping around um, or just stillness. Right. There's all sorts of embodied pleasure that has this really rich vocabulary, but it's super unique. Right. Nobody can be like, this is how I experience it. Do you? I'm like, I don't know. Right. Maybe. <laughs> I can't tell you how to feel though. Yeah. I really can't. I don't have your body. I don't know. Um, so I think it's really important just the, the same way we like get to know our bodies in a, in a like self intimacy kind of way of just like being at home with yourself, mm-hmm. including pleasure and joy. And that is really important too, because I think we usually, we, we tend to get stuck in this idea that healing is, and, and like gains and all of these things are made through like work and push and effort and struggle. And those are true. That can be true, but healing and those huge like steps forward can also be done through like rest and joy and pleasure. And, and these like more, I would say joy centered kind of feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that brings me to this question. It'll probably be our, uh, the final question I ask. Um, but I'm wondering, for people that aren't able-bodied or for folks that are uh, non-binary or trans that have a, um, a different type of relationship with their body, a relationship mm-hmm. that may feel antagonistic or frustrating mm-hmm. at times, um, how do you help them kind of tap into this flow, this movement, and, and mm-hmm. what work is necessary to, to meet their body and, and really integrate it in, in a, a full understanding of themselves. Yeah, actually, um, I have I have some thoughts, but I I would actually like to invite you and whoever is listening to like join me in a small exercise. Yeah, yeah. If that illustrates it, sure. yeah. Um, so I would say that the starting point of of a movement practice that can be used for healing is non judgment. Hmm. The baseline of movement for freestyle is non-judgmental movement this can be really hard when their entire script around dance is that like it's done a certain way certain bodies are allowed to move certain people are allowed to do certain movements certain identities and gender roles perform a certain way right like those are all very heavy scripts that we have to grapple with before we can even like get into the dance floor right (laughs) so one thing that helps facilitate that non-judgmental movement in a small way, um, I think is to practice a soft gaze. Mm -hmm. So I can guide folks through a a little meditation um, to practice this. And this is one that you can do from complete stillness. You don't have to move. There's no right or wrong way to do this, but it can help build this non-judgmental movement practice. So are are you ready? Yeah, You want to go for it? Okay, cool. So... Finding yourself comfortably at rest wherever you are. I invite you to first let your eyelids close 
if that feels good for you. Let them rest heavy. And see if you can find the sound of your breath. You don't need to make any changes to it. We're just starting with noticing our breath. And I invite you, when it feels good, to gently let your eyelashes float open just to, enough to see what's in front of you. And when you feel ready, I invite you to focus your attention, your gaze on an object in front of you that's, let's just say, further than arm's reach. And once you have your object in the like crosshairs of your focus, I invite you to first zoom in your attention, harden your gaze towards that object. See if you can make it just scalpel sharp, right? Notice the finest details. Let your eyes kind of etch along the outline of whatever it is, like hold that. And at this point, I invite you to notice what does your face do when you focus your attention like this? Where does tension start to arise? Now, I invite you to keep holding that object in the focus of your gaze, but soften your gaze to look at the space six inches in front of that object. And I'm asking you to look at the space, not look at the object, look at the space six inches in front of the air of that object. Notice what that does to your vision. What else can you see? What else can you not see? Find your breath. Hmm. And on the out breath, maybe pull that gaze back another six inches. What does that do to your gaze? How are we experiencing the world in front of us differently if our focus point is now 12 inches in front of that object. And I invite you to maybe pull it back another six inches or maybe play around with what it means to bring that focus point closer and closer, inching towards you but gently letting it soften and widen and soften and widen and soften and widen until you're staring at the air in front of you. And you can take in everything and nothing at the same time. There is no one thing you're focusing on, but there is nothing that is outside of your gaze. It's holding everything. And if it feels right, I invite you to bring that gaze all the way inward and close your eyes and find that gaze on the inside of your eyelids. 
how softly can you hold those tiny muscles in your eye to maintain that softness of awareness? <sighs> and just because it feels good, let's take three nice breaths at your own pace. And when you feel called to open your eyes, do so gently and as best as possible, see what you notice about your gaze as you switch back to your day-to-day. -day. <sighs> so I would love to hear how that went for you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but take a moment um so the this is yeah go ahead the um first thing i noticed was the audible breath how healing that felt you mm -hmm. know it, it, it i could feel it releasing tension in my chest and back already mm. and so just continuing to tap into that audible breath um and then as i i selected my object it was it was hard to focus and then i, I bringing the my attention six inches out continuously you know i kept wondering am i doing this right how am i supposed okay. to be feeling um but on the initial focusing on the object i noticed tension like in the corners of my eyes where i would like try to focus and squint and for some reason around my lips which i wasn't mm. expecting right like i was pursing my that lips makes or something. sense Ooh, okay okay and so that was fascinating i didn't anticipate mm -hmm. that um and then i just noticed I think, well, I, I definitely went cross-eyed once I started to look at the air in front of my face. <laughs> that, that happened. That's cool. That sounds really fun. <laughs> I've never done it like that before. <laughs> I think you just invented something new. That's cool. Just like cross-eyed. Yes. That's, you know, that's valid. I like that. Okay. Um, and then as I closed my eyes, returned to my breath, and then opened them, I definitely experienced a softness of my focus that I don't know that I had before. Right? Like. Mm. I, I wasn't in a rush to see. I just right. let my focus and vision fall where it would. Mm -hmm. And that was really beautiful. Oh. Um, yeah. So that, that was my experience. Oh, that's so wonderful. That makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. um, and and kind of going to, to your initial, like, am I doing this right? There's no right or wrong way to do this. All yeah. we're doing is gathering data. And so I, I think it's really cool, the kind of data points that you brought up. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of release that you felt from the audible breath um, is often tied to like vagus nerve stimulation. Yeah. So we have this long nerve that's connected to our internal organs and it sends these really nice signals to our brain that we're safe when we can hear ourselves breathe. Hmm. So we're, we're already telling the brain like, hey, it's cool. <laughs> we're good, we're breathing. Right. You can hear it, it's great. Right. And then like the, the tension around the eyes and the lips, um, I think as a, you know, holding tension or reaction um, is interesting as well, right? These are mm -hmm. things that we can note, like, hey, if I'm feeling that tension here, maybe that means that it's time to soften my gaze. Yeah. It could be like a trigger point, you know, it could be a cue. But um, stress, stress does really interesting things to our vision. So in times of stress, we actually do get tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. And I feel like since this outbreak has started, I've seen a lot of like near miss car accidents. Mm -hmm because people's stress is literally like clouding their vision. They can't see their periphery very well. Mm. So when we practice softening our gaze, it actually, it, it's like a door just like opened, you know, blinders just came off and you went, oh, is the light that way? 
Yeah. Has it always been this big? Like, huh? It's interesting, right? Um, but the same way that we can we can practice that, it's just dance. You're dancing with your pupils. We're just dialing. We're like dialing it back, learning how to flow with that. Yeah. And we can do that without any other additional movement. So I do want to uh, at least name the ableism that I'm talking about right now for myself. I'm using a visual exercise for sure. folks that don't have access to their healing or their uh, sight. Um, I do want to also say that you can practice this um, with any sense, mm. right? Take a sharp focus, scale it back, widen that net until it is just you, mm. right? Um, any available sense or sensation can be used in the same way. Yeah. But I, I do want to at least name that. Yeah. One other thing that I usually do is I, I usually offer my guests the opportunity to ask me a question if they want to. Um, mm. And so I, I, I'll leave that space for you as well. If you'd like to, you can. If not, that's totally fine. But is there a question <laughs> that comes to mind that you'd like to ask me today? Sure. Um, actually, not to put you on the spot, but I'd be super curious, like, what's your relationship to dance? Oh, man. Love that question. <laughs> Um, we are, um, very fond acquaintances of one another. <laughs> so, mm, cool, cool. Okay. All right. I like that. So fond acquaintance, right, not I, friends. Not yet. We're getting there. You said fond, fond, yes, fond acquaintance. That's good. Okay. So I like it. in, in high school, I had a very tenuous relationship. I didn't, I remember going to dances and being afraid to like move, afraid that I, I didn't know what I was doing, that I would look mm -hmm. weird, that I'd be judged, you know, Oof, yep. as a teenager, like there's nothing worse than being judged. Um, yep. And, and so like, I was just, I kind of sat back and then homecoming dance, maybe my sophomore, junior year, something just clicked and I got tired of sitting around. I think I might've watched my date dance with another dude or something. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know what it was. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's some strong motivator that kind of came over me. It's pretty strong. Yeah. I don't have to look like this anymore. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and I remember just kind of dancing. And the one dance I knew how to do, and which still my go-to today, is the heel mm -hmm. toe, right? And so I okay. was kind of yeah, like yeah. sway back and forth. And then I bust out the heel toe on occasion. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, like, everyone thought I could dance. And I'm like, I, I, I probably can't, but, like, I can do this, right? And I have fun mm -hmm. doing this. And I like that movement. Yeah. Um, and so that that's kind of where it started. And then in college, it, it, it waned and changed. And now that like, I'm in my 30s, and I'm really doing intentional work to mm -hmm. get in touch with my body and to uncover myself and to keep uh, continue my healing journey. I'm mm -hmm. experimenting more with just movement, right? Occasional movement around right. the house when a song comes on, just like letting my body move. And, yeah, yeah. and and now that I've got a son, I've got a three and a half month old son, and I want him mm -hmm. to, to just be able to, to move, to have that connection yes. with his body, right? And so I'm trying to model that for him. So it's mm -hmm. normal for him just to, to move, right? And to feel his body, you know? Yeah. And so I'm trying to be more intentional with engaging and, and, and getting closer to dance, not only for me, but oh. for my son Kimani as well. Oh my gosh. What is it? Your your uh, pleasure lineage, right? Mm. That's so that's so important. I think yeah. we need role models of embodiment, and and that's not something that a lot of kids get. Right. Um, but kids are like my favorite dancers. Honestly, if you want to see someone who just gets it, yes. it's a child learning how to walk. Like yep. they are doing it. You know, yes. the, the way they pick up the beat and hear it, they do it. And then we get these messages that are like, "You're awkward. This is weird. Why you dance like that." You know, 
and right. it just shuts it all down. So that's a really beautiful share and also way to turn that corner in the 10th grade. Oh hey. my gosh, it took me till uh, this year. <laughs> so <laughs> way to do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, I think that's beautiful. That's a good was, acquaintance. I think that's was, fair. It was something that's for sure. Um, <laughs> But I love that. I mean, you're right. We are born, we're born embodied. And then when mm -hmm. the messages we hear kind of pull us away from that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, mm -hmm. the hope is that, that the next generation doesn't get pulled away as far and they don't have as long yeah. a journey back, you know? Yeah, no way to do your healing and then, and then pass it down. I think that's so beautiful. And I, I really, um, I, I'm setting an intention for myself, like to work with families more because I think it's really wonderful to see intergenerational play and healing um because so much of that like you learn autonomy consent like embodiment all these other wonderful things but like doing that in a, in a way that that is about being that good ancestor is, is really powerful yeah yeah, yeah. you're doing awesome. the things that's so cool <laughs> i love that <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> harmony it has been a pleasure to have you on today i, I so appreciate you joining uh me and and, and this audience um and for people that want to learn more about the work that you're doing or just connect with you, what's the mm -hmm. best way for them to do that? So I, I would love to hear from folks, especially if you've done that exercise and want to let me know. Um, on Instagram, I am at your gay dance teacher. I also have a um, two weekly free offerings that I'd love to share. So mm -hmm. if you want to connect with some of the somatic and play movement that I do, I do a virtual recess every Wednesday on Instagram at so noon cool. i just have play dates with my friends and we we do games across the internet mm -hmm. um and this is this is for all ages and and hopefully for families too if they find resonance in some play and then on friday um i have a, a healing circle called chill the fuck out with harmony lee which is a cannabis friendly healing circle for embodiment every friday at 4 20. Hmm. um and these and are all so pacific you, time right these are on pacific time mm-hmm um, there is a bit.ly link to register for that one. It's bit.ly slash n as in non, b as in binary, underscore d as in dance, healing circle. And that's all one word, all lowercase. It's a lot to remember. So if you want to just pop on my Instagram, hit the link tree. It's like the first link. Um, so those are the ways people can find me. I'd love to to keep building this community. Um, thank you so much for having me. And this is like a wonderful conversation. Um, and, and I'm just very, very grateful that we got to, to share stories. Likewise. Thank you so much, Harmony. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Invisible Truths podcast. To learn more about my guest, Harmony Lee, click on the links in the episode description. If you'd like to learn more about Flowmasters, which I mentioned briefly in this week's episode, go back and listen to episode 22. That's the episode that I interviewed my friend Gavin, and he and I discussed mindful masculinity as well as his Flow Masters program. You can check out the links in that episode description to find more about the program itself. I hope you appreciated this week's interview and the content and that you will take it to heart. Maybe you're not a dancer or maybe you've been dancing your whole life. Whatever it is, I hope you take a moment and just find a flow this week. Through dance, through conversation, note where you've experienced pleasure, just take some time to really connect with yourself and to connect with your body in whatever ways feel comfortable for you to do so. Maybe you start by doing that exercise that Harmony walked us through near the end of this episode. Once again, thank you so much for joining me this week. I appreciate you and your time and your dedication to these stories that I'm promoting on this platform. Until next week, 
I'm Ben Tapper. <laughs>